Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to a brand new episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Hope you are doing well out there. Uh, It's... Thursday night, there'll be Thursday night football on. The Ravens are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm recording just before that game's going to start. This won't be a long episode, but I did want to touch base with everybody this week. Thursday is kind of Wednesday with Monday night football. Uh, It throws off the team's week. Uh, You know, Stefanski spoke today uh, instead of Wednesday. So, um, it's been a hectic week, so if you do follow me at all, you know that I uh, am no longer with USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Uh, I have moved, uh, very happy to say that I have moved to the Orange and Brown Report, the OBR. I think that they are the best coverage in town. And I am thrilled to be there. Uh, Barry McBride, Jake Burns, as you know, who I do crossovers with, uh, and everybody else over there, uh, that's fantastic. Um, I've been always been a fan of their work. Uh, have worked closely closely with Jake uh, on podcasts, as you know, for you know a couple years now, and. Um, it's a great move for me. So I really enjoyed my time at USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, huge thanks to Jeff Risden, Jared Mueller, and they will be certainly in good hands with Corey Kinnon, who himself was at the OBR before that. Uh, so thanks to them. They are, I, I call them my friends over there. Uh, they were fantastic to cover the Browns with. Um, and I start a new chapter with the OBR, and I'm thrilled about it. Go check out uh, my first article which i uh hammered down on and pushed out today uh at the obr it's about the Bengals. it's about the trends that they struggled with uh early in the season um they've gotten a little better with them here in the last two weeks and you know we'll talk we're gonna talk a little let's just dive into that let's talk a little bit about here on the show um it's one of the things that you know, I, I, I wrote about in this article about, you know, slowing down the Bengals. Now, it's it's important to note here, folks, that uh, when I wrote that article, Jamar Chase was fully expected to play. It has since come out that he will miss uh, what sounds like a minimum of four weeks. They're talking about him potentially being a candidate for uh, injured reserve or on the IR. He's Definitely not going to play on Monday night. It doesn't sound like uh, I saw Schefter write four to six weeks potentially with a hip injury. So that's kind of 
big, it's not kind of, it is huge news in the view of this game on Monday night, A, uh, taking away their best weapon um, as he gets hurt with this hip injury. But also, if you look in the grand scheme of things at the AFC North, like... Tonight becomes very interesting. Go Tampa Bay, right? If Tampa Bay could pull upset, that'd be huge. But, like, the Ravens aren't overwhelming, overwhelmingly impressive, um, e- even in their win over us. Um, they weren't that impressive. And I think they will lose their share of games down the rest of the way. Uh, Lamar is, like, hit or miss on a week-to-week basis. Um and the Bengals without Chase are certainly not the same team they are with him. And so you hope that if the Browns could find some way, somehow, to get a win on Monday night, they could pull within a game of them. And uh, depending on what the Ravens do, maybe even a game of them. But it would get them back in this thing. So one in my article, I say it like, yes, yet another must-win game. For the Browns, like, it's ridiculous, right? Like, this is, like, the fifth straight must-win game we've said. But it's true, right? Like, uh, teams in the AFC not being as good as we potentially thought they would be has left this door open. And at 2-5, and five, um, the Browns, you know... There's no reason to tank. There's no... There's no there's no reason for any kind of giving up or falling to the wayside in this thing. They have to cling on to every chance and they have to be competitive this year. You want games to matter when four comes back in December. You want things to matter when you see him on the field. And... You can make that happen still. You're just going to have to win like three out of the next four, which isn't totally impossible. I'm not overwhelmed by Miami. Um, I think they'll lose to the Bills. That's a brutal one. Tampa Bay got beat by the Steelers, uh, even though we're hoping they pull an upset tonight on the Ravens or whatever, but they have not been playing well. Um, and and then you got to get the upset on Monday night, which becomes a lot more feasible now that Jamar Chase is gone. Um, a couple things preliminary-wise, because I'll be with you again before the game, obviously, but that I think are very important about Monday night. If you look back, and I think like if you look back at the um, blowout win week nine last year, um, that the Browns had the Denzel pick six, 99-yard return. They had a huge pass play of over 60 yards to Donovan Peoples-Jones for a touchdown and a huge run of over 70 yards to Nick Chubb all in the same game. Um, huge plays in all three phases, right? And they crushed, drubbed, drug, whatever you want to say, the Bengals right as they were about to take off. Right, right as they were making themselves known as contenders in the AFC. So it's, I mean, Stefanski's 4 0 against the Bengals. Joe Burrow has yet to beat the Browns in his career. Uh, granted, they did not play 
in week 17, they rested their starters and we played Case Keenum. Uh, but, you know, it's been two years, right? And um, in that game, the Browns did an excellent job of slowing down Chase, who won't be available. And if you recall, and I pointed this out in the article, this is like a beautiful little rivalry uh, between the Bengals wide receivers and the Browns corners. Now, Ward will be out. The headliners, Ward will probably be out with his concussion and Chase out with his hip. But uh, if you recall on the Pivot podcast back in August, uh, the... Bengals wide receivers went into, uh, you know, talking about the Browns secondary, talking about how they talk a lot of shit, and it's on site next time they see them, quote-unquote, on site, they said, uh, when they see them. Uh, so Newsom had some fun uh, rebuttal on his, uh, Greg Newsom had some fun rebuttal on his Instagram or his IG, and, and so there's a little rivalry brewing there back since they were on the Pivot podcast back in August talking about, I mean, they asked about the Mount Rushmore of, of cornerbacks, of DBs, right? And the, first, the only thing they talked about was the Browns, right? They talked about Denzel Ward, and then they kind of got into, oh, yeah, they talk crazy, and they talk a lot of shit, and it's not just because they talk a lot of shit. And then, uh, you know, uh, T. Higgins chimes in, and, and Boyd chimes in and Chase is like, nah, nah, that ain't even it. It's just on site. It's on site with them, whatever. You know, he was trying to give credit to Denzel Ward initially, but then it seems like it got irritated him as he recalled the shit talk that I'm sure the Browns secondary unloaded on them in that beatdown last year, week nine. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Important things to point out about that game. Um, the Browns have had a ton of trouble this year creating pressure. And Burrow is zoning right now. Like, uh, the only quarterback ever, ever in the history of the NFL to throw for three or more passing touchdowns, run for one or more, rushing touchdown, throw for over 300 yards, and not throw an interception in back-to-back games. The only guy ever to do that. That's the last two weeks, right? He's feeling it. They lead the league in big plays, uh, five reception, uh, TD receptions of over 40 yards. They are uh, a big play. 83% of their pass offense comes from shotgun, no play action. That's wild, right? Like, that's just like, here's who we are. We're going to throw it. And I mentioned this in the article. Like, for me and what the Bengals do, it's about, like, on paper, they got a lot better on the offensive line. And early in the year, it didn't look like that. It looked like they are going to struggle more. But they've kind of put uh, a couple decent weeks together where they've slowed the pressures, even more so last week against the Falcons. 
in their win against them. Um, so the Browns have to create pressure. Like, that's the one thing they were able to do in the big win last year, week nine against them, is they were able to get after Joe Burrow. And the front four, you're going to get Clowney probably playing, but maybe not 100%. You're going to get Garrett playing, but, you know, he's probably not 100%. If they aren't organically getting to the quarterback with their front four. Joe Woods has to be able or be ready to do what he did last year, and that was mix things up, right, as far as your fronts and your blitzes. Like, they brought Troy Hill on nickel blitzes twice, got home, got to Burrow last year in that game. Uh, they got creative, right? He's got to get creative. Bring some guys from different places. Make him think. Make him get out of rhythm. If he gets in rhythm, you're in trouble, right? He can beat you himself. And T. Higgins and Boyd are good enough weapons. And Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is good enough weapon, right? Like, those guys are good enough to beat you. So you've got to get him off his spot. Make him move his feet. Make him uncomfortable don't let him get in a rhythm. So early in the game, if you're not organically getting home with your front four, then you've got to create some stuff, right? Bring some corner blitzes. Bring some nickel blitzes. Uh, show man. Go to zone. Show zone. Go to man. Although I doubt they will be in a ton of man. Um, as I mentioned in my article, there's a wide discrepancy. At the beginning of the season, it was kind of like, you know, the Bengals got off to a really slow start. They went 0-2, 1-2. Their offense was struggling to put up points. And what teams were doing was running split safety shell coverages. So uh, they call it, uh, PFF refers to it as, uh, you know, as your safety positioning goes, middle of the field open, Right. So you've got two guys that you're leaving the middle of the field open. And middle of the field covered, MOFC, um, is like sing your single high coverages, right? Your cover three, your cover one, cover zero. Typically stuff, besides not cover three, but typically with cover one, cover zero, you're talking about man-to-man -man coverages, right? And if you're um, leaving the middle of the field open, you're talking about your cover fours, your cover two, uh, cover six, right? Uh, quarters, whatever. And, and so what the Browns run a lot of is cover three and cover four. So I think you're going to see a heavy dose of cover four because although he has been much better by the numbers in the past two weeks against these split safety looks, right? Uh, Burrow has been much better in the last two weeks. In the first five weeks, he was considerably worse against split safety looks than the single high looks. Because what the what the I almost said Ravens, but what the Bengals do is they rely more on um, their guys, right? They rely more on the Jimmys and Joes and less on the X's and O's, right? Like they are about their skill talent, and they want to run go balls and throw them up to Chase and to Higgins. And if you're going to put one safety in the middle, I mean, how many times have we seen them just run go balls and just throw them up down the field and, and Burrow puts it right on them or, and Chase makes an amazing play or Higgins makes a great K 
catch back shoulder. They just like that. You know, if you're if you're going to give them one on one looks with a safety in the middle of the field, they're going to go, you know, to one side or the other and exploit that every time. So that's why teams were going with the split safety stuff because it gives you extra help. And, um, but he will, the difference is the thing is though, you can't go soft, like soft, soft zone on them. He'll pick you apart. So it's gotta be like a combination of your cover four stuff where you've got two safeties back, but, but you've got to, you can't give him all day. Right. And it can't be so soft of cover four that guys are just finding zone holes in the zone and he's picking you apart. And that's why I'm saying combined with that, you need to mix up your pressures, right? You need to mix up bringing a nickel corner, bringing a safety, uh, blitzing a linebacker here, show show with the left side, come with the right, right? Like he, Joe Woods doesn't get creative enough, in my opinion, and he's not, I, I've said this before, he's not opponent game plan oriented enough with his stuff like he doesn't just go out and and say hey we've got a bunch of really good athletes let's morph our defense into stopping what they do best this week at times we've seen him try to do that and he's been successful at it I think the Bengals is one of those instances actually where I think like the game plan was on point against them last year week nine so that gives me a little bit of confidence that he kind of probably feels like he has a feel for what he can do against them and slow them down a little bit. I don't know. You know, they are extremely potent, and that interception by Denzel Ward did swing momentum wildly in the Browns' direction in that game. But if he can get creative with those pressures, if they can say sit in that cover four and not let it be too soft, right, then they should be able to slow them down, especially with no chase. This are the keys to beating and slowing down Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Like, they aren't going to scheme you to death. They aren't going to scheme guys open. They'll do some creative stuff here and there. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad scheme. It's just they rely more on the the talent of their, their, their special players, right, to beat you. Um, and uh, Joe Burrow's right arm. So that's what it's about for the Browns. And, you know, I am, I think it would be a shock if Joe Woods was the defensive coordinator of this team next year. Um, For the reasons that we've mentioned here on this show, right? Like what I was just saying, like he's not creative enough. He's not aggressive enough at times. Um, And he isn't, in my opinion, opponent focused enough right like he doesn't he's got all these great athletes all these guys that are fast and that can do different things out on the field you should be able to take that talent and morph it into whatever you want it to be on a week-to-week basis belichick-esque right to take away something the other team does really well well it's kind of like it feels like joe woods is like this is who we are here's what we do you know, at least it was that way for the first couple of years, right? Um, we're going to run dime. 
We're going to run a ton of cover three, Seattle cover three, a ton of zone. We're not going to give up big plays. We're going to make you matriculate the ball down the field and help you make a mistake. And that's great for some teams. And it may have even been trending that direction. It may have even been trending that direction with the way that the AFC was looking. However... Um, as we've talked about, points are down. It's not this high-powered AFC that we thought it was going to be. They've played against a bunch of middling average quarterbacks who have ran the ball against them and and ate them up, right? So this miscalculation on not uh, no attention to the interior defensive line and a weakness at linebacker after Anthony Walker went down has, you know, exposed this defense and they had a number of gaffes and coverage and run support and all this stuff has made their focus so much on what they're doing that I think guys are thinking too much instead of just playing and that takes away that speed that athleticism um because they just think right if you're thinking you're not playing so um these are my thoughts after my article. Uh, split safety stuff. A lot of cover four, I think. But really, the focus has to be mixing it up. Show right, come left. Show left, come right. Um, show, come, you know, four. Send, a, send your nickel corner. Last year, twice that worked with Troy Hill. Uh, one of Joe Wood's more creative game plans, I think. Bet last year, week nine, when they... Um, beat that ass against the Bengals. Got to do it again. Busy week, folks. Hope you enjoy. As usual, all eyes on Cleveland. Mikey behind the virtual glass. I am Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland, Blue Wire Podcasts, and we will be back with you tomorrow. Uh, Monday night football. Long week. Getting ready for it. Big one. Another must win. Another must win. With that, I'm out.